Hi, welcome back to Something Private. This is a special episode. You guys can tell by the change in music, right? Ladies and gentlemen, turn it up, throw a little something like this, now drop the beat. You know the guys that run one of the OG hair removal parlors in Singapore, Strip? Well, they have another brand called Tulips, and they've invited us to join them on their little mission to teach you guys about your little sister. That's right, I'm talking about your vulva. We're clueless and a little embarrassed to talk about our vulvas, but we're so curious and we meddle with her all the time. Just think about all the hair removal hacks and cranberry juice tips all across social media. But caring for your vulvas is more than just an aesthetic conquest. She plays a big part in our overall health and well-being, so how do we keep our little sister well cared for? Join us as we voyage through the vulvas. With our friends at Tulips and Strip in a five-part mini-series every last Wednesday of the month. Hi, Dr. Angela. Hello. Hello, welcome back to the show. Dr. Angela is actually a friend of the podcast for a really long time and she was our second guest on the episode Making Masturbation Mainstream, which incidentally, by the way, is our most popular episode today. Um, I guess masturbation really hit a highlight of negativity in the 1700s mm. where it was described as a disease. It's still is? <laughs> yeah, I guess... It just shows like what everybody's mm-hmm. interested in. We have like statistics, right? So there's like right. a search in the numbers. It's like mm. that's quite interesting. So tell me a bit about yourself. I'm a family physician by training, so I do see patients on a regular basis. And on top of that, um, I'm trained in sexual health and sexual medicine. Um, so as a coach, my clients' relationship issues they tend to also have bedroom issues. Mm. And as a result, I see that you know I need to either find someone who is going to help my patients or my clients with bedroom issues, or I got to figure it out. Mm. And when I did a search online, um, unfortunately in Singapore at that point in time, that was like, what, five or six years ago, um, there was very little help or little professional help that I can refer my patients or clients to. And that was when I said, well, you know, if no one can solve my problem, I'm going to solve my own problem. And that was when I ended up in Europe um, to get myself certified as one of their fellows under the European Sexual Medicine Society. So is it accurate to call you a sexpert? I'll just call myself, you know, the family doctor who has a special interest in sexual medicine and able to help you out with bedroom challenges. On that note, mm. uh, we've invited you to kind of come back to talk about something similar to, I guess, like self-pleasure and self-love, but mm. a bit different. And we are going to touch on how social media and pornography causes genital shame. I'm thinking about like the very first time like I even was made to be aware of like mm-hmm. my female parts down there. I feel like, I don't know, like maybe my first encounter of thinking about my private parts or my vulva and my vagina was like in secondary school, like mm. during sex education. Mm. And then that was like that one instance where the, the teacher goes like, oh, this is, or like a bio class, right? Mm. Like this is your vagina, this is the female parts, this yeah. is the vulva. But I think that was maybe the first ever memory I had of like, yeah, being aware that mm. this is my genitals. Yeah, right. I guess it's very similar for most of us, because uh, it's like when our parents shower us when we were kids. I don't think they go around labeling different body parts in detail, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to genitals. Mm. You just say, "Let mommy wash you here," or mm. "Let you know daddy wash you here." They don't say, "No, let me wash your vulva, let me wash your penis, and this is your butthole." Do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like screen over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then. Unknowingly, I guess um, the kind of sense of shame kind of get passed on mm-hmm. as something like we, it shouldn't be mentioned. Yep. yep. It reminds me of Harry Potter. Tao, we shall not be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. 
and and I was on that note, yes. I guess like we have a lot of like funny names mm-hmm, for like mm-hmm. our genitals, right? Like I remember and a very common one I feel like all of y'all can identify with is like for girls mm. or like girls with like vulvas, um, they'll be like, clean your pet pet, you know? Mm-hmm, okay, okay. <laughs> and then for guys it's like, clean your or like they always make fun like boys have like Uber, that yeah, kind of thing, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um I guess because the doctor's room is very different. Because mm. it's very professional. One of the things is that there's a misnomer called vagina. Mm. Like the vagina is actually the canal that's inside. It's not really outside, but you no, know, a lot of people will label female parts as vagina, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is mm. incorrect. And I think it's also like the mm. fact that, like you know, when you are young, um, I mean, just thinking about it, like when I was a child, you were told to like protect yourself, right? Yes. And yes. then your parents would say like, you shouldn't show your private parts to like strangers, of course, mm-hmm, right? Or like you shouldn't, mm-hmm. you must take care of like your private parts, don't let anyone mm-hmm. touch it mm-hmm. for your safety. Mm-hmm. But also I guess then that kind of built like the environment of like shame in talking about your genitals. Yeah, but, but I think there's a, 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 a line that we can draw between shame and respect. Mm. Okay? Like if you respect somebody, you're not going to scold them or insult them. Neither are you going to hide them. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. But no, why should we do that to our own private parts? Mm-hmm. Kind of just respect it for what it is instead mm-hmm. of shaming it and hiding it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's really funny because now my two and a half year old who is speaking will go around and say, you know, her friend has got penises and vulvas. I mean, she got it all wrong. Um, I mean, like boys and girls, she, she, she doesn't identify vulvas as girls and penis as guys. That's great. Yeah, she just said, you know, so-and-so has got a vulva. Yeah, yeah. Like so-and-so has got a finger. Yeah. So-and-so has got an elbow. Yeah. That's exactly the same tone she says it at. I think that is really where we kind of don't draw the line between shame mm. and identifying a body part as a body part. That brought me into a story. So mm. um, years back, I was working with a client on actually weight loss. Um, she was overweight and she wanted to lose weight. Uh, and of course, you know, with coaching, it does help to enhance um, the whole weight loss program because you're looking at the psychology more than just the diet mm. and the exercise. So one of the conversations that we had was about, you know, Tell me about your body parts. Is there something that you like or you don't like? And we work from there. Mm. And it was interesting, you know, how she told me that her vulva was actually the part that she doesn't like at all. Mm. She identified it herself. Yeah, yeah okay. she did. And I was kind of taken aback um, because I would have thought it would be like, you know, the waistline, the ties mm. or, or something, right? That is very outward looking. Mm. And, and I was shocked because at that point in time, I wasn't quite trained um, in sexual medicine. I'm like, oh dear, no, how should I proceed with this? Mm. I'm like, this is a new problem I'm having. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> um, but, you know, as I just let that go and I continued the conversation with her, I realized that she has a great challenge in embracing her own femininity. Mm. Who she as a woman. Um, I mean, she's been single for a while, um, a couple of failed relationships. And things haven't been working very well in this whole relationship domain of her life. Mm. And of course, it points out to some personal reasons that she had about how her identity as a woman was never fully embraced that way. Mm. So it goes to show like, you know, vulva is just kind of one aspect of this whole identity of what a woman is. It can be the boobs, it can be the eyes, it can be anything. But what is important is how are we actually embracing ourselves as a woman in this modern society where we are expected so much more than just giving birth. Mm. You see? And, and that's where all the complex stuff starts coming. Interesting because um, I think like, uh, I find it very interesting mm. that she identified like Valva as like the first part to feel like, like uh, that she doesn't the, the like. Yeah. Because I think if you were to ask me 
I think it's a common question. I don't know. Like people mm. sometimes will ask you like, what is maybe one part that you want to change about yourself, right? Um, and I think like the vulva doesn't really come into mind f- mainly because I think like saying it out loud is also a bit of like yeah, taboo, a, right? yeah. a shameful yeah. thing, right? I don't know why, but mm-hmm. yes. There's also a certain level of shame around um, sex. Um, we grew up in a relatively traditional culture, I would say. And sex is something that is a big no-no until you're married. Mm. So before sex, you're always being thought, you know, like, sex is dirty, you should stay away from it, it's not for you, you know, all these things. But then the moment we sign the marriage cert, it's mm. supposed to switch over to, I'm ready for sex, sex is going to be pleasurable, it's going to be enjoyable, it's going to be the best thing of my life. Mm. Mm. But with that 20 over years of indoctrination, you can't just wipe away, mm. you know, a, a statement like, like that. So a number of women um, has got vaginismus issues, where their pelvic floor is really tight and penetration is difficult. Mm. So as I, you know, explore it with some of my clients, they do realize that a part of it is not just a fear of pain mm. that associated with penetration. So most of my clients who have such an issue, they face some form of taboo or shame and embarrassment around their private parts and they're unable to relax. Vaginismus is essentially a condition where Penile vaginal penetration is difficult um, because of the tension on the pelvic floor. So these women may feel pain or may not feel pain, but uh, penetration is just not possible. Mm. I have had conversations with friends where I tell them like, you know, I, I after speaking with you mm, and like Dr. Jess mm, or that, like I will look at like my, my vulva or like even when I do my own like shaving and stuff like that, right? I will use a mirror and a lot of them have never like looked at like their vulva before. Yes. Or like, I think even like when you say like vulva last time, they're like, hee hee. <laughs> like it's like a funny thing to say, like, uh, like yeah. I see. You know? Additional to the looks of it, I think more women are concerned with the smell. Mm. Yeah, I um, I mean, got to pull out some studies, but I think we're not wrong. More than half the women are concerned with how they smell, mm-hmm. and hence they're quite resistant to have men going down under. Mm, yeah, mm, mm, mm. this is a very interesting point. I think a lot of them also think that like. Um, it has to smell like flowers or yeah. like fruits. I don't yeah. know if you see, so like there is actually a trend on like TikTok. <laughs> okay, and then <laughs> um, basically like the the girls like they have like tips on like how to make their genitals like smell better right. before sex. So right. it'd be like um, go and drink like cranberry juice or mm-hmm. like go and eat like pineapple slices yeah. or like eat good bacteria like yogurt and stuff like that. So the day before like they okay, eat. okay, I I don't know how well that works because essentially you know the vagina is a whole canal full of bacteria. Mm. Um, which is important because we need this good bacteria to protect the skin layers so that, you know, the bad bacteria cannot come in. So if there is a hole, like, you know, there's a gap, you know, one of the troops kind of died, then the bac- bacteria can actually come in and invade the whole vagina, end up with vaginal infection. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I was telling people, you know, this is a whole colony of various bacteria in your vagina to keep you safe. So it's going to smell like kombucha. Mm, mm, you mm. know like one I've heard before yeah so that's how it smells originally and then mm. when we try to alter the, t- the, the smell with different chemicals we do um, vagina douching and whatever we are actually killing off the good bacteria mm. and the chance of us getting a bad bacterial infection is going to increase so I was interviewing uh, males about what they think about you know smelling mm-hmm, interesting and and it's interesting because um, there are a couple of males who have a good number of um, experiences with different partners, they realize that every woman smells different. Mm. And it doesn't matter. Because if you're just in the moment of everything, you kind of just embrace the smell. You don't like, you know, this is horrible. I'm going to move away from this person. 
I mean, if you have a partner who can't focus on sex, maybe it's time to change a partner. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Say it louder for the people <laughs> at the back. I totally agree. I think that's great. I mean, like, everybody is unique mm-hmm, and special, mm-hmm, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I think no one person will smell like the other. Yeah. And from our conversation with Dr. Jess in mm-hmm. the previous episode, only when it's a situation where, like, it smells different than usual, yeah. then I guess that like, you should go and seek yeah, help. Correct. For a lot of us, when we grow up, a lot of our sex education, I think it's a common trait, right? A lot of us agree that our sex education is really limited. And as a result, a lot of us learn about sex or like our body parts through, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, I guess, pornography. How does pornography like affect the way we see ourselves? I mean, it, it's, I think it's worse for males to a certain extent because in pornography, you always got big penises. <laughs> seriously unreasonably big that you know no girl if you ask them the right mind will want a big penis in that it's true mm. yeah okay so so that's one thing but then for females you end up seeing a lot of them are clean shaven um, you know some of them a little bit more pink a bit more clean you know it, it gives you the idea that you know the whole vulva is supposed to be nice clean and fresh mm. with a light tinge of nice pink I mean they might have gone for some um, whitening procedures and things like that so these women may not be showing their original vulvas mm-hmm. we actually have had somebody ask us before like if let's say like the inner folds of the of the labia are like bigger than the outer folds like mm. is it abnormal like is it like <laughs> wrong to look uh-huh. that way I don't know if you've, you guys have seen before but like there's this um, trend that's going around on Instagram okay so basically Kendall Jenner was a model for this like new uh, collection of like underwear and basically there was one particular photo that grabbed everybody's attention and that is like the micro thong as they call it so I think I'll put up a picture here if it's not copyrighted um, to show you guys but I'm gonna show Dr. Angela it looks like that wow and okay. my point is that um, <laughs> yeah like she looks like a, I think the criticism was that like she looks like a Barbie doll you know like how Barbie dolls yes. like they don't have anything there mm-hmm. like it's like completely flat yeah you know there's no like slits there's no mm. folds there's nothing there right you don't mm. have any genitals for Barbie dolls and I think like um, it went viral because a lot of people were like you know she photoshopped it and everything um, and then how it's really affecting like their self-esteem so it's very interesting because I think more so about like how Kendall mm-hmm. Jenner is posting mm-hmm. on social media like how her body looks right rather than pornography is that we see or like we relate more to like these kinds of um, models and mm. like Instagram mm. influencers right like we look to them yes. for the ideal. Yes. You know, and like, we want to be like yes. them. Yeah. Yes, which is very interesting. Um, then the question that I have in my head, if we know that there's a great chance that this is photoshopped, why are we putting so much emphasis on it? Mm. You know, what is it that we are lacking in our own personal lives that we need to seek validation from an external source who don't even care about us? Mm. What's happening here in the world, really? We're taking a short break. Something Private is a podcast produced on the media publisher Our Grandfather Story. Watch our new episodes every alternate Tuesdays on YouTube and listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast every alternate Thursdays. New episodes will be published first on YouTube and will be publishing once every two weeks this season. We've also just launched our new website, so pay us a visit at somethingprivate.fm if you'd like to share your story with us or work with us. Otherwise, you can send us a message on Instagram at somethingprivatepod or email us at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. 
We're immensely grateful for all the support you guys have given us and we really couldn't have come this far without you. If you'd like to keep supporting our work, become our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash somethingprivatepod. That's patreon.com forward slash somethingprivatepod. Now back to the episode. Nobody tells you from a young age that this is... Firstly, like, you're okay, you're mm. normal. This mm. is how um, whatever you look like is, like, completely acceptable. And then second of all, all of us are, like, children of the internet, right? And when we grow up looking at Instagram and we see these kind of photos, we mm. aspire to look a certain way. It's partially insecurity also, but mm. I think it's also that nobody tells us, like, this is yeah. okay. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. then, like, it's very inevitable that we grew up with the internet that we will mm. want to look a certain mm. way or, like, be influenced. Mm. So, think, like, this is the standard that we should attain. Yes, you know so, I mean? so it's like, I think it's more like a societal problem rather than an individual problem. Not faulting anyone in particular, but, you know, with the fact that a bunch of us um, grew up with the internet and without parents' guidance, and our parents were not savvy with the internet. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what internet was bringing to their children. Mm-hmm. You know, so everything was a free reign mm-hmm. kind of thing. And neither had they realised how big an impact media and social media has on the image of their children. So to quote a study that was based in UK, um, they say that around one in five adults say that images used in advertising and images used on social media cause them to worry about their own body image. Mm. So I think it's quite frightening, like one in five. Mm. Yeah, one in five, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. No, one of us on the table is going to feel that way. Mm. Yeah. Isn't mm. it worrying? Because mm. I think in Asia, we don't praise our children. Like say, there's this, it's very pantang, like you say, if you say that your daughter or your son is, you know, good looking, mm. he or she will grow up to be not good looking. Mm, mm. Like if you praise them, they are smart, they will grow up to be, you know, lazy and, you know, and then they don't do well in school and things like that. So as a result, we forgot to tell our kids that they look great just the way they are. Mm, it's acceptable and normal, right? Yeah. Like we need to tell or affirm them along the way so that they know they're okay. They need to be heard. Mm. Um, so it's not just sex education. It's the whole thing about parenting. It's the whole thing about how society is coping with the changes. But I also want to say that yeah. like, personally, mm. uh, when I look at the Kendall Jenner like, image of her Michael Tong, I look at it and I'm like, okay, yes, I guess she looks good. But like, I personally don't feel like affected or mm, like, I don't mm, feel like mm, this mm. is a standard that I want to mm. aspire to. Mm. And I think like for a lot of like uh, younger mm. audiences, actually there's been like a moving trend on like TikTok where people are openly expressing um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they have vulvas and like mm. labias that like mm. look very different just to share with you yeah. also like basically the trend is about how like girls are mm. like kind of reclaiming this yes. kind of energy they're like yes. you know um, this is unattainable mm. like whatever this Kendall Jenner has been posting is something that is unrealistic mm. and a lot of them have been like yeah you know my my um, vulva looks like roast beef patty <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah like I think a lot of them are like saying that you know like my my, my beef patties are like brown like mm-hmm. they're not like mm-hmm. pink and like small and cute and yeah. then they're even going as far to say as like you know I can't wear a tong because like if I wear a tong then it will be eaten up by right. like my, my beef patties so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's great I feel like it, yeah. it seems like there's a positive movement towards mm-hmm. like accepting our bodies. Oh, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's just like if your friend were to put something on IG, like, you know, post, posing beside a Lamborghini that his father just bought, are you going to be really upset at your friend and, and you know, hate your friend forever? 
you're going to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So can we also see that um, all these body images are nothing different from material goods as well? Mm -hmm. They're just a part of us in its own way. And the moment that we can accept who we are, how we are, um, we don't have to be so bothered by what people have. Mm -hmm. One question that we got from the previous episode we did also is like that um, anything to do with um, the result of like internalizing some of the bad things that were said to mm. to individuals when they're growing up, right? So I think a lot of times like people laugh at women for like having camel toe, that kind of thing. Mm. Or like when they mm. wear too tight clothes, then like the vulva shape becomes very obvious. Mm. So basically this one person asks us like, oh, why is it that I have... Uh, Kemoto, or like, why is it that like I cannot when I wear certain like really tight leggings, right? Like I don't look good. Is it because like I don't have a thigh gap? Mm, you know what I mean? Mm, so mm. yeah, law is like problematic. Like, I feel like there's still a percentage of the population that is worried about how they look. I mean, definitely. I mean, um, when I was growing up, when I was in second, okay, I'm gonna so review where each ER I come from. Um, <laughs> you know, it was quite popular to show the midriff. Okay. Yeah, but it's not like every girl can show their midriff. You know, it doesn't just look good on every girl. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are people who offer um, labioplasty, like plastic surgery around the labia mm -hmm. to make it more enticing and make it more like the ideal thing. So, you know, tons of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like how book job was also once upon a time in advertisements. Mm -hmm. Well, you see, right, plastic surgery does have its positive effect on the psychology from time to time. It does boost a person temporarily. Mm -hmm. But of course, for something that you know handles the root cause, to me, it's more efficient on the long run so that you don't have to keep running back into the same problem. Mm -hmm. If you want to fix one part of your body, the next thing will be fixed another, another, another. It, it never ends there. Mm -hmm. um, if someone can actually work with you to find out what exactly is causing the insecurity, it's going to be a more long-lasting effect. But that, of course, will take more effort getting down to what's really the hurt or the pain or the betrayal that's associated with all these insecurities? Growing up, in secondary school, I remember we would laugh like at, the, at girls who like didn't shave their armpits <laughs> or like yeah. funny photos. Like the boys will show funny photos of somebody with a bikini line mm -hmm. and then there's like hair sticking out, mm -hmm. right? There's mm -hmm. always these stories. And I think that like, to me personally, like mm -hmm. I think that kind of made an impression on how I viewed my body hair mm, mm, growing up. Mm. And I think it took me a very long time to kind of realise that actually the most important thing is for me mm -hmm. to feel comfortable with myself. Yes. And I mean, personally now, I do I do like mm -hmm. shave and stuff mm -hmm. like that and I go for like hair removal treatment. But I think it's more of the fact that like it makes the area like clean and comfortable and also mm. like for pubic hair, like it makes menstruation easier. Lah. But I think for a lot of us, like it really there's a bit of like a fine line right yes like between being influenced by society versus mm -hmm. like really sitting down and asking yourself is this what i want mm. you know am i comfortable mm. with mm. it yeah yeah i mean because uh, cubic hair have known to kind of be a protective covering for the whole genitals mm -hmm. and that actually reduce your chance of getting infection so that was the purpose of pubic hair mm -hmm. Yeah, so, well, if you want to shave it, you know, you have to be mindful of that and then keep the area clean. And of course, the shaving cream that you might use, the blades that you use, you want to be mindful that it doesn't aggravate um, the, the pores in the area because after all, it's a very sensitive area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I don't think it's like you should shave or you shouldn't shave. At the end of the day, it's what you feel comfortable with. Mm. Some of us find it easier, especially if we already have a positive relationship with the rest of our body. It's mm -hmm. so much easier to accept another part. Um, but if we have a really negative relationship with our body, it's going to be really challenging. And you might want to seek professional help for that. I mean, in honesty speaking, 
because sometimes we just can't get past our own mind blocks. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what I do, I mean, I'm not sure whether you guys have watched this particular video where a teacher um, actually show the effect of praising an apple and scolding an apple. Mm, I have never. No, okay, anyway, the, the video goes like, um, so the teacher got the whole class to school an apple, okay, and then got the whole class to praise an apple. Mm. And then she peeled the skin of the apple and to realize that, you know, the one that was being scolded ended up having bottom bits. Really? But then, and the one that was praised was all nice and pristine. Energetically, if you can imagine, you know, if a child was constantly scolded and being um, belittled for whatever he has done, versus a child that was affirmed along the way, how would they grow up to be different? And same thing I would believe for any body parts. You know, if you constantly judge this body part and constantly felt ashamed of it and embarrassed of it, you know, how much negative energy or charge then resides in this area? And even though it's supposed to be an organ of pleasure, will it be able to receive the pleasure when it comes? Just like, you know, the child who has been receiving critical comments, when the praise do come in, will he or she be able to receive that praise with grace or be skeptical about it? Mm. You see, it's the same idea here. So in order to fully embrace who we are um, and overcome the whole genital shame, it's actually a lot of internal self-work, I would say. Mm. With this idea of like genital shame, there is also an aspect of like a very like cultural, mm. like societal thing that we cannot really shake because I think it is, it's one thing to be like, oh, don't talk about your private parts, but it's inevitably linked to like sex. Right, I think mm-hmm. like we don't want to talk about our, like our genitals or like we try not to have mm-hmm. that kind of conversation because like the impression is that we don't want to encourage sexual activity. Mm. You know what I mean? So how I guess the question is like how can we then move away from that? If if you know what I mean. So how all this work? If you look at how we work as a human psyche, the more you try to hide something away from this person, what's the person going to do? Seek it out. Yeah, mm. and then he or she may seek it out from uninformed sources. Right, like pornography. Yeah, I mean, um, in the UK, I'm not sure if it's UK, which part Europe, they did a study. Um, so those kids who has more formal holistic sexual education, um, their rates of teenage pregnancy is actually reduced. Mm. And their age of when they have their first sexual encounter is actually increased. Like they, they, they only had their first sexual activity when they were older. Older. Yeah, so what that says, it says that with informed consent and informed understanding these kids are able to make decisions better that way because mm. mm. you are more mature to do so. Mm. It's like, you know, if you are hush, hush, hush about this whole sex thing, and then the kids going to try to find their own ways to find out. They're going to find out among each other. Mm. They're going to experiment things with each other at a young age. Mm. And They're like, going to look to social media. Yeah, and then it's like, nowadays, it's kind of uncool if you are still a virgin in university. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of thing. So you can never catch up with all this kind of trend. So what can you do is really empower the younger generation with the right set of knowledge and let them make their own choices. Mm. So it's never about protecting them from the harm. It's always about empowering them the tools they need to have in order to handle the challenges that they have. So it's like saying, what I learned as a child or what I experienced as a child is going to be very different from what my child will experience. You know, I can't teach my child everything that I know about the world. Mm. But what I can teach her uh, lifelong principles be integrity. You know, when things come falling down the way, what is the integrity that you need to have to keep things in place? When things are difficult, when there are fearful moments, how do you have the courage to pick yourself up 
When things can't fall in your way, how do you have the resilience and perseverance to get through? These are the things that I can teach her instead because I can't foresee every situation she's going to have. Hmm. You see, so it's not about protecting our children. It's about empowering and enabling them such that they are able to live their life to the fullest. At least that's what I think. I guess on that note, what are some of the pieces of advice that you would give young people to name about their perceptions towards sex and like their genitals? Mm. So it's like if there's some body parts that you're uncomfortable with, you might want to look into the whys. Because mm. um, the whys may not be valid right now that we have grown up. But once upon a time, it was something that was valid. So like, for example, um, when we were young, um, our parents told us that we shouldn't expose ourselves as a way to protect ourselves. But now growing up, it's not that you should be showing yourself you know, to everyone. Um, but with your chosen partners, you can then choose to make that reason invalid. Mm. And be proud to show who you are. You see, so it's going to be contextual that way. Mm. So as you kind of uncover um, what's really holding you back, that is a way to start working on how can you accept yourself for who you are. Okay, this, this is a survey about boobs. Alright, so um, it was done um, amongst the UK and US and it seems that a majority of men um, said they actually prefer C-cup-sized boobs. Mm. Um, I mean, that's more for Angmos, like Asians, you don't really get C-cup that, that often. Mm. Okay, but it was also interesting that even though um, most of their partners were not C-cup-sized, but more than 90% of the men say that they are satisfied with their partner's body. So a lot of times, I don't think is that you know, our partners are judging our bodies. It's ourselves who are judging our own bodies. So it's only when we can accept our bodies for what it is, then we can also allow and not be skeptical when our partners are enjoying our bodies. Yeah, so mm. I guess this is how it kind of works. You really have to be at ease with who you are mm. to be able to take in all the pleasure that is readily available that way. On that note about like partners mm. judging you, I mm. think the other thing about um, it's also common that sometimes like you hear like women like judging mm-hmm. women as well. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we say not so nice things about each other, mm-hmm. or like we yeah like identify pictures of like that friend on Instagram, and then we zoom into her bikini line, and we're like, eee! like you know she has like something there, or like she never like take care of like her her body part. So I think my point is that like mm. this is a very negative space that we yes. shouldn't like kind of perpetuate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, there's a line between putting our friends down and there's also a line of, you know, what's going to be better for our friends. So sometimes you've got to be really mindful about who we are speaking to. Mm. Uh, will this person take the comment to heart? Uh, are they someone who's very sensitive about such comments? Or like if someone is trying to get a date and you want to offer advice to make her more attractive, I think that's somehow valid. Mm. Mm. So we've got to really see the context. It's true. The yeah. premise in which you are offering correct, like the correct. advice, right? Yeah. Mm. I think the, the space that I live in is quite positive. So like they're all like, oh, um, you know, if we're all going for a beach day, you mm. guys wanna go to get like hair removal together. <laughs> like I know like a good place and we mm. can all go together as like a basically like a a bonding thing. Yeah, like yeah. a bonding thing, like mm-hmm. a girl's mm-hmm. session. So I don't know, I think like that's quite important. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think that's that's all a good sign. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Women should empower women. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thanks okay. for Dr. Angela. No worries. Thank you. Yay.